Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. La and Nunyu live in a country torn by conflict. La is a Buddhist and the owner of a makeshift medical clinic in the western part of Myanmar, where the Rohingya, a Muslim minority community, are persecuted and denied basic rights. Nunyu is a Muslim and an apprentice midwife who acts as an assistant and translator at the clinic. Her family has lived in the area for generations, and yet they are still considered intruders and outsiders. The film essentially centers on the lives of these two women and their connection to not only to their own community, but also to helping women and their health. It's a beautiful film. It's called Midwives. And we're joined today by the director as well as editor, Nihi Lai. Nihi, welcome to Film School Radio. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. You're welcome. Thank you. So the film Midwives will be screening in the New York area for the Human Rights Film Festival. And so you'll want to be looking for this. It's a terrific film on so many different levels. The story itself is remarkable. The background and history of what's taking place in Myanmar is also an important part of the film, critically important part of the film. Nihi Lai, what was it that about meeting these women? How did you meet them? And what was it about meeting them that made you feel you wanted to do a documentary about them? Yeah, the reason why I... I'm interested in uh, two midwives because of the conflict in that region. Also, I'm also coming from that region. I was born in Rakhine State, Western part of Myanmar. So I want to understand what is going inside my, my hometown. Because as we all know that in 2012, Rohingya conflict was happening in Rakhine State. So many Rohingya uh, community, they had to flee to Bangladesh and they they were killing each other. So as you know, the military, they killed a lot of uh, Rohingya people and also people fighting each other. It has been, it was so much chaos happening in my own state. So I don't really know what was going on because I was born there, but then I moved to uh, uh, Yangon, capital city of Myanmar. So like uh, when I hear like all these news on media and they've been killing each other and but my memory was they were friends they were neighbors and suddenly it it all changed and it was not peaceful in a Rakhine state when I was little that my my Rakhine state was so peaceful I always visited to my grandparents and I I have a friends who were also Muslim who lived together who who was uh, my neighbor my grandparents neighbor so I really wanted to know understand know about like this conflict and I want to understand for me and also you know to share for the for for uh, my friends other people because because the reason why I made this film is I want to understand myself myself first, then I can transfer what I see through from from the conflict. For me, as a women women filmmaker, I'm more interested in women's story because when we know when we talk about conflict region and and as soon as you know our imagination has like men fighting each other, men are in in the in the re- conflict region and those images pop up like right away right so 
So for me, like what women in the conflict region, how they live like this and how can they deal with their daily life situation in the region? That was my my interest. And another thing was like um, international media and everyone know that like so many Rohingya flee to Bangladesh. There were no more Rohingya, which is not true. 60,000 of Rohingya stay living together with a Buddhist community. So that message, when I hear from my relative who are still living in Rakhine state, that make me, me, me to, I'm more interested in that, oh, how come they live together? So then I kind of like had an idea that I want to make documentary about midwives in the region, conflict region, in the village. It should be one Buddhist and one Muslim midwife working together in the same village. That was my first idea. It's just my manifesting idea. I just developed inside me, like, you know, kind of like manifestation, my character that I, I developed for like six months just to have idea to be true. It's just really true that I really wanted to make this character or not. Then when I make sure after six months, I can control myself. I can hold it myself alone. Then I call my auntie who live in, uh, in Rakhine State. And then I shared about my dream character. And I wanted to find two, two women, two midwives. And she said, oh, okay, we can, yeah, just come and we can search for your dream character. And that's, that's how it's happened. You were living in Rancun. You knew of what was going on in this region mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Myanmar. Was there a different attitude towards the Rohingya in the capital city as opposed to a more um, rural part of the country? Was there a difference or was it the same sort of perception of the Rohingya? Yeah, um, because in Yangon, there are so many Muslim people live in, in also also in, in Yangon, but some of them are Rohingya, but some are not. Some are also from other ethnic minority groups. Because in a, in, in capital city, like not only, only Yangon and other part of uh, region, people are saying that Rohingya is not our, our minority. They come from other country, like Bangladesh. Like, uh, Bangladesh. Yeah. So, so they, they are like, they are not our citizen, citizen people. So they are just our guess we give like we give them a place to stay there that's the way they they point out that actually and people in Yangon they don't see they don't know how Rohingya people live in that region they don't know about their history because as you know that Yangon our Myanmar country is like just a developing country right so we don't travel that much even within even within in the in our country so don't really understand about what other minority people live in the region, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we all, not only that, we have like civil war happening in Myanmar, which means that we don't understand about what is going on for small minority group. So Rohingya is one of them. And they've been living, living in Myanmar for so many years and, and nobody know about their history. Nobody know about how do they live. So when this situation happened, people in my country, they only against, they don't support uh, Muslim uh, Rohingya people because because like we, we have been trained and influenced by military who always like influence us with uh, fake news. So everything we we listen, what they what they you know announce. Mm-hmm. So they were like, oh they are 
kind of like because that's the way the whole country was brainwashed by military. Here in the United States, we're facing some of the same challenges with the information that we're getting is not true, and the the issue is a very important issue that I don't know how we address. It's a worldwide issue now. You can't yeah. really have, you can't really feel completely confident in what you're hearing, which lends itself to being distorted and manipulated in all kinds of horrible ways. Can I add one point? Sure. Um, because as you said that, uh, you said that because we don't uh, like international media, also now it's really hard to believe what is what new is right or wrong. For example, also people inside Myanmar, and and we got trained, and we we only got our news from military. That's how we trust. But nowadays it's totally different now because since the military coup happened in in my country, we are the same like Rohingya, also like treated from um, military like a Rohingya people. Military they kill a lot of people and they arrest so many people and. So now in, in people inside uh, Myanmar, uh, the whole country of my Myanmar people, also including me, and we, we are more empathy on the Rohingya people. We started spoke out about, oh my God, we didn't speak out about when the uh, 2012 Rohingya and conflict happened in a Rakhine State. We didn't talk about that. We were just neglect everything. Even though some images, some video clip that appear, Right, but then we were like, okay, this is just a, you know, we don't want to see it. We just feel neglected to those people, and now we have same situation like Rohingya people. Now people are start talking about that, and which is really good. In that dark time, it's kind of like we united a lot of things in my country with other ethnic minority group group, and including Rohingya uh, minority. So. When this situation over in my country, like we are state, the whole country is trying fighting against military. When this situation over, I think we will start talk about Rohingya and we will be together for yeah for the good nation. Well, that's great to hear. You, the people within your country, have evolved. They have learned from the past, and I think unfortunately we here in the United States are dealing with. Our current political system and the way we get information—it's—it's it's difficult, but not in the same degree and level of destruction that happened in Myanmar. What happened in Myanmar? People were slaughtered. They were—they were—they were displaced. There were a lot of things that bad that happened. But here in the United States, if we want to go back in our own history, you know, the the Native Americans suffered much the same fate that the Rohingyas are suffer have suffered from in Myanmar. Go back to slavery. We we didn't. I'm an educated man. I didn't know many of the things that I now know until I was much older. So there is a learning curve. Unfortunately, we shouldn't be presented with the truth at the very beginning, and we can make better decisions. But you're right. People eventually do begin to understand that what they've been told is either inaccurate or incomplete. And that's, that's good that you're talking about it in those terms. I hope that that I hope that bodes well for humanity moving forward, because we have some huge challenges that we have to address, mm -hmm. and we have to understand them in order to make good decisions. So, that's good to hear what you said. That's that's encouraging. Well, I want to go back to the story of Law and Nunu, and talk about 
the time that you were with them, because over the course of Midwives, the film we're talking about, by the way, you see an arc, you see a, a progression in their own relationship from the beginning to the end of the film, their relationship changes. And Law was very tough on Nunyu and, and was disappointed in her many times over the course of the film. But we see her grow. We see, I love the way that the film unfolds and how their relationship changes and how they both become, I'll say, better people. I don't know if that's a good way to put it. But that had to be very satisfying. How long did you film them? How many? How long of a period were you in their lives? I filmed this uh, midwife about five years. Five years. Wow. So I started since 2017. Yeah. And finishing uh, it uh, 2021 in June. So it was my final day uh, in June before I left Myanmar. So during a military coup happened in uh, in other region, I went back to Rakhine State to finish my final shoot. So it it was, yeah, about five years, over five years, actually. So that's that's the reason, like, you can see how, like, up and down relationship between two two of my characters, and then how you know, become like a, such a calm mother and like a, you know, um, a medical, you know, like a professional way, like she can do it now with uh, in her clinic. So they are also grow. Also, I'm also grow. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> so so we are we become like a families and. And when I started meeting these two midwives and they don't trust me in the beginning, even though my aunt uh, helped me out to introduce me. And of course, because in that region, West, you know, they don't want to communicate with anyone from other part of Myanmar because, because of so much uh, negative point of view going on that period of time for uh, Rakhine ethnic group. So, but luckily I am Rakai and they trust me somehow, but also they thought I'm, I was, I came there for like, uh, just for news journalist right. approach, uh, journalist video. They right. thought I, I was a journalist, but I told them, no, I'm not a journalist. I just want to understand about how, how they work together in the clinic and what is the situation in the region. Just want to know and study. And that's why I'm coming. I will come back many times. So, so I come up like uh, you know. I always visit there, and sometimes I don't shoot. I w- I try to make a friendship between two of my character. There was also time for trust building time. So those are things that I take time. And then the time that we become such a you know very much, they trust me, and I also trust them. And it becomes so easier for me to approach two of my characters. So they share about how they're feeling and they don't hide anything. Yeah. You know, they show up how they upset and, you know, a lot means to Nuno and she opened it up to me. Also, Nuno, she opened up to me everything, how she has they, she has been through with a lot also um, conflict situation in, in the region. Yeah. When I started this uh, midwife story, I choose that area because of not so much conflict going on in that village. So because I want to be, you know, um, I want to make long-term documentary. Mm-hmm. That's why I choose it for security issue for me and for the story. But then after two years, there is a, there is cyber war happen in the region. So I, I, I cannot... 
I can't go away from 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 the war and I can't go away from the conflict because the reason that makes me to make this film is to understand about my country and all these conflict uh, in the region. So I yeah I also I had many experience uh, during the the war zone uh, during the filming time in war zone and. Me and my cameraman, security concern was, uh, you know, always uh, we have to be protected and it's always there. What the first thing we see in the film is a woman giving birth mm-hmm. and all of I love it because it's so different than Western medicine for a woman goes into a hospital. There's a couple of nurses, a doctor, a gurney, you know, all of the medical, the modern medical facilities that you would want. And yet in this moment, when this woman is giving birth, there are four or five women gathered around her with her, making sure she's okay. And then when the baby comes out, that's a beautiful, I mean, it's hard to watch, but at the same time, it's such a beautiful moment because for me watching it at first, I wasn't sure if the baby was going to survive, right? It doesn't yeah. seem to be breathing, but then you see the way that they they're the, was it uh, was it law was 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 essentially massaging the baby till the first breath started and it's it's an amazing moment and really for me brings the to the soul of the film is about women taking care of women in ways that it's I mean it's it's a beautiful experience and also it points out for me you know the lack of resources that are available for most people around the world and certainly for women and how little we value that in terms of our, of, as a, as humans, we don't seem to value this watching a woman give birth is, I mean, I don't know if there's a more enlightening experience than that. And yet we have, we have marginalized these people as they go about their lives and not given women the opportunity to make decisions about their own future, whether or not they want more babies, if they want any babies. So all of those things really came together at the very beginning of the film for me to understand not just the lives of these women, but also just this bigger picture of how we devalue what I'm seeing in the film and what an amazing life-affirming moment all of those things were. So for me, that's that was my reaction to the first part of the film. Oh, yeah. Thank you for your comments. And you see that that way. Yes, I also feel like uh, it was kind of like teaching me. That scene was really teach me because I have never seen it like a baby delivery scene in my whole life. That time, the first two years, I I was shooting uh, alone in that village because because of the security reason in the region so that baby delivery scene was also teaching me how mother give the life to the baby and how women are supporting each other and how mother should be trained and you know that time was like bringing me up everything and it made yeah. me to more understand about women's rules in the in the conflict region yeah it's beautiful and from there we begin to see the politics of the village and the politics of the region. And we start to understand, you know, the reaction that the husband, um, Law's husband has a terrible reaction to the Muslims in the village and calls them them. And this, and then the idea that Nunu couldn't be a, a caregiver to some of the 
Buddhist women and the, the whole thing. You see it play out and the, the prejudices and all. But it's a beautiful film. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that you're with them for as long as you are. We see their stories as they unfold. And I felt like the film came to a, a beautiful place at the end for a lot of reasons. And not the least of which you've described here, which is maybe there's some opportunity for some more more peaceful coexistence in your country now, based on what I saw in the film. I hope so. I always say this about great documentaries, and that is they tell a small story, but they tell us about a much bigger picture, a much bigger experience as well. And the midwife certainly accomplishes that. So congratulations to you. Yeah, thank you so much. After I made this documentary, I cannot go back home. Do you know that? Because the military would were upset with you? Yes, yes. Because like uh, the time that when I leave Myanmar, because I had to leave quickly, because they've been arresting uh, filmmakers and artists in that uh, 2021 in June. So I was also involved in a protest. Also, this film will be like, uh, you know, even though I follow two midwives, the story is really bigger picture, picture of the, my country history, the f- last five years, and including this military coup. So one military find out that uh, I'm I'm talking about them, like, uh, you know, as you can see in my film, I will get arrested. That's why I cannot go back home because of the, my security. Oh, that must be painful for you. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. My hope is that over time that will change and a more enlightened leadership will be be in place for you and your country in a time when you can go back. Yeah, I I really hope so because now uh, in my country so many young people are are joining ethnic army and fighting back to military. They cannot continue their future future career, future life. So, but I'm so lucky that I can keep working on my film and I still have my future, but they don't have no more future. So, but I, I also very much hope that we will win this victory and I can go back home maybe after one year. That's what I wish. Well, you've been good about putting things out in the in into the world and them coming back to you. So I certainly hope that that's the case with this. I hope that all of your expectations and your hopes come come to pass. Thank you so much for Midwives. And again, Ed, the film is screening at the Human Rights Film Festival. Be looking for it. And I certainly hope and pray that uh, it will get a theatrical release and video on demand and all of the things that it truly deserves to be seen. So my my best to you for as as a filmmaker. And I hope you continue... If you're not working on something now, I certainly hope that you will be and you'll come back and join us next time. Yes, I'd like to join that again. Thank, well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. The film again is called Midwives and we've been speaking with Nihi Lai, the director as well as editor and cinematographer and guiding spirit behind a wonderful, beautiful documentary film. So thank you so much for your time. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. 